Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm Jen. And I'm Sarah. And we are Unabridged, the podcast where teachers take on books. Join us each week for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content every week. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unabridged. Today, we are talking about the adaptation of The Devil Wears Prada, the novel by Lauren Weisberger. And before we get started, I just want to remind you all that we have a newsletter. We Right now, that comes out twice a month. So once it gives you a look ahead at the month and the episodes that we're going to do and what we've got going on. And then the other one is when you get just a little glimpse into who we are and we share some other maybe non-bookish recommendations and what we're looking forward to. So yeah, if you want to sign up, you can go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, and you can sign up there. All right. Well, to get started today, we're going to do our bookish check-in. So it's just Sarah and me today. Ashley will be joining us in a few episodes, but we are thinking of her. And yeah, so Sarah, I'm going to let you kick it off. What are you reading? I am reading Rebecca Cyril's One Italian Summer. Uh, This is a pick for my in real life book club. And I really love Rebecca Cyril's work. I love the dinner party that she wrote. I just feel like she is able to write with such attention to the emotions that we have surrounding the important relationships in our life. So this one is no different. I will say that I do think that this could be triggering for some people because it, I mean, it starts off and I already feel like I need to cry. (laughs) So, so I'm going to tell you the very beginning and it's not a spoiler and it says this on the jacket of the book, but um, it might, it might sound spoilery, but it happens in the first couple pages. Uh, So the first part of the book, which is where I am, starts with Kate who has just lost her mom and she describes her mom as the love of her life. And, the, and her mom describes Kate as the love of her life. And so Kate it has endured this great loss. And she's really struggling with moving forward and figuring out how she is going to navigate her life without her mom. And for me, as someone who is very, very close to my mom, and I know Jen's close to her mom, and to reading that, is it's just gut-wrenching. Mm-hmm. They had planned this mother-daughter trip to Italy before her mom's death. She still has the plane tickets that they were going to use to go to Italy where I am in the book is she is trying to decide what's going to happen and what she's going to do with those tickets. Now, by the title of the book, I think I know (laughs) that she's going to do something with them, but I will say it starts off with kind of a gut punch right in the beginning and I'm listening to it and it's read by Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls and she's fabulous. So I'm loving it, but it is really, I mean, when I first started, I, I was like, do I want to read this? Because I don't know if I'm in the headspace for this. I I do trust Rebecca Cyril as a writer, and I'm ex- I'm interested to see what Kate's journey is through grief because I think that at this point in my life, I'm interested in feeling or like hearing the treatment of other people's grief and how people work through that grief. And so I I'm looking forward to it, but I'm a little bit hesitant to keep moving because I'm afraid it's gonna 
get a little sadder before it gets better, but I'm enjoying it so far. And I think, like I said, she does a great job of really communicating the importance of those relationships in your life to those that you're close to. So I'm excited to see where it goes. So that is Rebecca Cyril's One Italian Summer. I love that one. So I liked just all of hers. I love this one so much. And I just love that blend of reality and real emotions with there's in, in each of the books I've read of hers, there's one element of fantasy that just impacts the rest of the story. And yet everything else about it is so realistic. And I just think she does that so well. I loved this one. I've contemplated going back and listening to the audio because I've heard it so good, but I've read it in print and thought it was fabulous in that format too. Jen, what are you reading? Uh, well, <laughs> We accidentally have a little theme going here, which I promise we did not plan. So I technically finished this today, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. It is Charmaine Wilkerson's Black Cake. And I read this one with Reed, with Tony for her book or for her buddy Reed this month. And oh my goodness, I just absolutely loved it. So this one too deals with the death of a mother. So Eleanor Bennett at the beginning has died and she has left a recording for her two children, Benny, who is her daughter and Byron, who is her son. And Benny had been estranged from her family for several years. And first from her dad who died a few years ago, and then the estrangement became worse because she didn't go to the funeral. So she has not talked to her mother or brother at all. So Eleanor leaves them a recording of her story and she tells them she wants them to listen to it together and then when they are done when they know the moment is right they are supposed to eat black cake together and black cake is this recipe that Eleanor brought from her childhood in the Caribbean it's this really special thing that she only made at particular times it was something she wanted to pass down Benny was really interested in baking with her mom and she had passed down the recipe to her daughter and they had baked together. So it's this really special thing. So what you get is this alternating timeline, alternating times and places, alternating perspectives. You get some from Eleanor, some from Benny and Byron, some from the attorney, people from Eleanor's childhood. There are some characters that takes a while to figure out how they fit into the story. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I could not put it down. It has really short chapters, so it was really propulsive. And usually when I read a book with multiple timelines, I feel like I prefer one to the other. And in this one, I didn't want any of them to end. Like I just wanted all of the stories to be going on at the same time. I just loved it. I think it is masterful. I cannot wait to chat about it because I just think it is so well done and there's so much to dig into and she deals with a ton of issues, but it doesn't feel like an issues book. It just feels like a look at their family and their relationships. So, so yeah, that is Charmaine Wilkerson's Black Cake, and I highly recommend it. I've seen that everywhere, and I've been so close to ordering it, but I just have so many to read. I put it on the audio on hold at the library, but of course, it's like 22 weeks or something. But I went ahead and put it on hold, but I, I really want to read that. It sounds great. I think you would love it. Because it has all the good stuff about cooking and the place of food. And there's some really interesting storylines that pop up later that, again, are kind of spoilery. But, yeah. It's definitely on my list. Yes. 
All right. Well, we're going to switch gears. So we are going to talk about The Devil Wears Prada. We're mainly focusing on the movie adaptation, but I'll just do a little background about the book. So the book came out in 2003. It was wildly successful. I have some stats here. So it sold over a million copies, spent 10 weeks at number one. It spent a year on the New York Times bestseller list. And the book has since been published in 40 languages. So it was just a runaway success. Then the movie came out in 2006 and was also very successful. So the synopsis of the book, and this is from the publisher, is Andrea Sachs, a small town girl fresh out of college, lands the job a million girls would die for. Hired as the assistant to Miranda Priestley, the high profile, fabulously successful editor of Runway Magazine, Andrea finds herself in an office that shouts Prada, Amani, Versace at every turn. A world populated by impossibly thin, heart-wrenchingly stylish women and beautiful men clad in fine-ribbed turtlenecks and tight leather pants that show off their lifelong dedication to the gym. With breathtaking ease, Miranda can turn each and every one of these hip sophisticates into a scared, whimpering child. Andrea is sorely tested each and every day and often late into the night with orders barked over the phone. She puts up with it all by keeping her eyes on the prize, a recommendation from Miranda that will get her to a top job at any magazine ever choosing. As things escalate from the merely unacceptable to the downright outrageous, Andrea begins to realize the job a million girls would die for may just kill her. And even if she survives, she has to decide whether or not it's worth the price of her soul. Very dramatic (laughs) synopsis there. I love it. Okay. So we are just going to go through first our overall impressions about the movie. And maybe let's give some background about our history with the book as well. Sarah, what did you think? What's your history with the book? So I did read this book way back when it first came out. Uh, my sister, It was actually a gift from my sister. She thought I would really like it. And I did. I liked the book. And then, of course, I was so interested in watching the movie. And actually, this is a case where I really liked the movie better than the book. Mm-hmm. And because there were parts in the book where I felt very frustrated and annoyed with just with Andy and just some of the choices that were being made by the characters. And in the movie, there were things that were not what I wanted them mm-hmm. to choose, but I felt like it wasn't as over the top or something, yeah. even though it was a movie and this is kind of based. Yeah. But anyway, I really love the movie mm-hmm. and I could watch the movie over and over again. I think it's so well cast. I think that Meryl Streep is a phenomenon in this movie. I just think she is awesome. She's phenomenal. So I really love the movie more than the book. And I probably wouldn't ever read the book again, but I would watch this movie over and over. Cause I just really love it. What about you, Jen? Yeah, so I read the book because I wanted to watch the movie. And often I will try to read a book before I watch the movie, especially back when this came out. I was very dedicated to that. Since I've become a mom, that has not always been possible. But at that time, I was not a mom. So I was like, yeah, I can read all the books and watch all the movies. So yeah, I I would agree that the movie outpaces the book. I, I should say, I don't remember a ton about the book. For me, the movie looms much larger in my memory. And I have not reread it since... I guess 2006 is when I read it. And I I just think everything about the movie, I'm going to echo what you said, Sarah, is masterful. I mean, every face twitch that Meryl Streep makes in that is just impeccable. I mean, she is, uh, it's such an understated performance. She could have gone so big, but the, like the understated part of it is what makes it so powerful and what makes her seem so in control of every single thing. The way she just says, that's all. When she's done with someone, 
I just started cackling a few times into the rewatch because it's just this quiet. Yeah, I, I think that's brilliant. I will say I was very aware of, and we can talk about this later too, but there, I was very aware of the discussion of size, of body image mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think I was at the time. I mean, and some of it, it was interesting because I thought some of this was really talking about the fashion industry as art and talking about, you know, Stanley Tucci as Nigel has this great spe- speech about how it gives hope to people. And and then at the same time, it did some things that I thought really diminished the artistic nature of the fashion industry and the way it treats people. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it was a nuanced portrayal of the fashion industry. I I had some complicated feelings when he tells Andy that six is the new 14. And that's clearly the worst thing that could ever happen. What I read also that both Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway were told that they needed to be thinner for the Mm -hmm. movie. So that they were, they were like starving all day on set because they were trying to keep like this rail thin. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that when I watched this back in 2006, I mean, I was in my early twenties and I don't think that I thought of the repercussions of some of that stuff. And I didn't, don't think it was as a, that we were as aware and as open about mm-hmm. being more inclusive and, and all of that in, in 2006, whereas now, even though there are still tons of problems, I do think that we see models who are not a size two and there's more representation. There's still a long way to go, but there's mm-hmm. way more representation than there was when I was a teenager yeah. in, in the magazines that I looked at. So I think now being more aware of that in our current culture and then watching this movie, it does seem a bit dated in that aspects. Yeah. Well, speaking of representation, I don't think there are any people of color in the movie, certainly no. none in major roles. So yeah, it's it's just one of those. Yeah. I do think we do better. And I know that there's still a long way to go, but it is interesting reflecting back on just, I just accepted a lot of those things without even thinking. And there were several times during, while watching that I was cringing at moments. I was not supposed to be cringing. <laughs> I don't right. think. When I do think at your mom, your also your mom glasses. Yeah. I mean, my mom glasses are on, and I'm like, I don't want my daughter to think that. And I'm sure, and I don't want my son to think that that is the right. appropriate way. You know, like mm-hmm. all, all those things. So yeah, I, yeah, I think that watching it as a as a mother and as an older person, it definitely sh- shows a little bit of the flaws in the movie and the way that it doesn't kind of hold up. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Meryl Streep is amazing. Stanley Tucci. I have become Stanley Tucci's biggest fan girl. I just want to rewatch his whole catalog of movies after reading his memoir and then seeing him in this movie. I think he does. And I I know that he wasn't the first choice for the role. And I just cannot imagine anybody else as Nigel because he just brought, because even though he did say some of those things to her about Mm -hmm. six being the new 14 and all that, but he also brought this aloofness, but with a side of caring. Yes. I was going to say there's such warmth. There's such warmth in his character. And I'll just keep singing out the praises of the main actors because I thought Emily Blunt. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun to see her at the beginning of her career. She is so great. And I thought Anne Hathaway, I mean, I know a lot of people criticize Anne Hathaway, but she is fabulous. Yeah, you see the transformation, not just physically, although, yeah, again, she did lose weight during the movie, but 
you see all of that play out through her acting. And I think she's really great in this. I understand the criticism, you know, but I think also that she's very talented in this movie. Mm -hmm. She does a great job because I feel like in the beginning when she first starts, you could almost see her character in the princess diaries, you know, and this kind of like wide eyed innocence. And then she does such a good job of becoming this person who comes kind of full circle. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think she did a great job. Yeah, uh, so I'll just drop a little bit of trivia in. So I watched this on Amazon Prime, and you know they have that great X-ray feature, and then IMDb. But she was ninth in line for this movie, and so some of the other people they considered. Rachel McAdams was offered the role three times. Scarlett Johansson, Natalie Portman, Kate Hudson, Kirsten Dunst, Juliette Lewis, and Claire Danes all auditioned for the role. Now, I don't know if they were all offered before her. That wasn't clear, but it did say she was the ninth choice because they wanted someone who had more of a dramatic background where she was mainly known for The Princess Diaries. Which I have to say, I love those movies. <laughs> yeah, they're so good, but they're just very different. Well, and this said, it wasn't until Meryl Streep saw her performance in Brokeback Mountain that she called the studio to advocate for Hathaway's casting in the film. All right, well, let's move on to a favorite scene or moment in the film. What do you think, Sarah? Well, True to nature, I'm going to cheat, but I just have to say, you all know, if you listen to any of our other adaptations, especially the ones that Jen and I did the other summer, you know I love a montage in a movie. I knew you were going to say that. Yes. <laughs> so, I, so I love all the montages in this movie. I think, I think sometimes movies can get a little overboard with the montage, but the way that they use these, for example, when... I, in my notes, I called it Miranda's get me montage when uh-huh. she just is delivering these lines, no, no inflection in her voice. And people are just supposed to get me this, get me that, get me this. I just think that is so perfect to show all of kind of what was expected of her assistants and just how demanding she was. It was just a perfect montage. And um, I also... Uh, love the montage of the makeover. I just loved all the montages. So I'm just, I'm team montage. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. They're so good because these aren't just there for the sake of it. They're there to develop character. And of course, to show off the fashion, which was a huge focus. They spent m- more money on this, I read, than on any other movie. Yeah, I read that In too. Hollywood history. And you can see it. So yeah, I think because it's used thoughtfully and it's not just there to play some great music and, you know, transition from one scene to the next. Well, and even the opening montage with all of the candidates getting ready for the interview and just just showing that contrast in how all the other girls who are get or women who are getting ready and then Andy's getting ready. I think that is, I mean, it just tells us so much of the story in such a small amount of time. So uh-huh. I really liked it. Yeah. How about you, Jen? What is your favorite? And I will allow cheating since I cheated. <laughs> I know. Well, that was going to be one of them. So let me decide between the others. Okay. So there's a scene when Miranda wants Andy to get her a flight back home in time for her daughter's concert. And Andy does not do it. And Miranda just rakes her over the coals. Andy's very upset. She goes to Nigel. And this Nigel Stanley Tucci just gives the best speech about 
what fashion can be. And she says, but I'm trying. And he says, no, you are not trying. You are deigning to work here. And he just, it is the perfect balance between being really tough, but also really loving and caring. That is the moment that starts her transition into really dedicating herself to her job. Now, eventually, of course, that goes too far, but it was great to see, yeah, that she had this chip on her shoulder, that she thought she was a serious journalist and she was basically just putting in time here until she could get a better job. And everyone around her can sense that. And so, yeah. And of course, then that enters the makeover scene. But I, again, I think because Stanley Tucci is such a masterful actor, he delivers that so well so that you can see why it would finally get through to her, how she was approaching the job, how it was coming across to everyone else. So yeah, I really love that scene. Yes. Well, that's great. I love any scene that Nigel was in. I just thought mm-hmm. he was amazing. Another scene that I really thought was so impactful was when Andy was telling Miranda that she wouldn't, she couldn't believe that she did what she did to Nigel and that she would never do that. And, sh- and when, when Miranda delivers the line, you already did. You did it to Emily. I mean, that is so impactful. And I just love that whole exchange and then the realization that comes over Andy during that part. I just thought that Mm -hmm. was a really pivotal moment. And normally I would have a problem with such a big shift coming so quickly, but I think because that crystallizes so much for Andy, it made sense to me that she would just walk away, throw that phone in the fountain (laughs) I did want to say one other. So when they're in Paris and Andy comes into the hotel room and Miranda is sitting on the couch, no makeup, clearly having been crying. And you just see it's like the first time Miranda has let herself be vulnerable Mm -hmm. in front of someone. And it's over very quickly, but it is such a powerful moment. And you see then why Andy feels the need to protect her when she finds out the news that she thinks she's going to lose her job because she's seen that she can be hurt and that she can, you know, she does care about her daughters and she does want good things for other people. So yeah, I thought that one was really good too. And I did read that it was Meryl Streep's idea to have no makeup on for that scene. So I think that was a good call. (laughs) I do too, because it's just like all of her armor is off just for that brief time. And I don't know that every actress could have played that off. It it brought tears to my eyes. And I wouldn't say it's really an overly emotional movie, but that that one did get me. So is there anything that didn't work for you? I mean, I wouldn't say that there is anything that truly like didn't work that I was, you know, annoyed that was in the movie. However, I thought, thought that the love component, Andy's relationship with Nate, I did not think that that was necessary to show, even to show that Andy had become consumed with her job and was neglecting. I think I thought just the friendship part, I just, sometimes I think like these types of movies, especially in the early 2000s, there, there, it always felt like there had to be some sort of romantic component, but I really think this movie is about finding yourself. It's about figuring out your career when you're young and you're trying, you, you don't know your place in the world yet. And I don't think it had to have that extra love story because I think that you could have done that easily with the, with Lily and with the friend, the friend group and her just neglecting all of that. I think that was plenty. So I didn't feel, I felt like the romance seemed kind of shoehorned. I felt that way in the book as well. And I also thought that, 
I did not think that they had Nate and Andy have very much chemistry. So I didn't really yeah. buy the love story at all. So, so it was just kind of a non issue and I didn't really care mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Well, and then it's almost like dominoes because I thought, because that didn't work. And I thought Adrian Grenier did a great job, but there just wasn't a lot to do. And I totally agree that that friend group would have been sufficient. And then that meant that the whole temptation with Simon Baker's character, Christian, and that, you know, had to do with some of the other machinations of the plot. But I just, yeah, that then wasn't that compelling because, because I didn't buy her relationship with Nate. It wasn't that big a deal that all of this, I, and I didn't think she and Christian had great chemistry. And I feel like there could have been other ways to work out the plot lines that Christian was at the center yeah. of. I would agree. That was actually going to be my answer too. Because overall, I mean, beyond the things that have not aged well, I think the movie really works well. And I think because the writing is strong and the casting is perfection, I just think it was great. All right. Well, let me see if I have any trivia. So I did read on the first day of filming, Meryl Streep told Anne Hathaway, I think you're perfect for the role. I'm so happy we're going to be working together. Then she paused and followed it up with, that's the last nice thing I'll say to you. And it was, (laughs) that's from IMDb. She is just so amazing in that role. Did she win the Golden Globe for that? I feel like she might've won a Golden Globe. I can't remember. I know she was nominated. Wasn't she nominated for an Oscar too? All right, let me see here. Nominated for two Oscars, 19 wins and 53 nominations total. Oh, costume design was also nominated. So yeah, Meryl Streep was nominated for an Oscar. Costume design was nominated. And then, I mean, Meryl Streep won several things. She did win comedy or musical. Emily Blunt was also nominated. She was great too. It was a great cast. Yeah. Well, and I love the detail that another piece of trivia was that character was not supposed to be British. So Miranda was supposed to be British and Emily was not. And they swapped because she thought it would be fun. Well, and we haven't even talked about the fact that this is based on Vogue and Anna Wintour and that Lauren Weisberger worked there. And supposedly this was based on one of her assistants. And it said on IMTV again that Wintour was went to the movie and sat with her daughter and her daughter kept saying, well, they got that right. Well, they got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) Okay. And here's one that will make your heart happy after reading Stanley Tucci's memoir, which we both highly recommend. Six years after Stanley Tucci and Emily Blunt worked together on this movie, Tucci married Blunt's sister, Felicity. Emily was a bridesmaid. Yes. And I loved that the memoir talks about him and his first wife and then, and then he and Felicity. And it's just, he just is so amazing. I just, I'm just like want to be the president of his fan club. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's so great. All right. So here are people considered for the role of Miranda Priestley, again, according to IMDb. So who knows? But Jennifer Aniston, Kim Basinger, Cameron Diaz, Heather Graham, Angelina Jolie, Lisa Kudrow, Helen Mirren, Tatum O'Neill, Gwyneth Paltrow, Michelle Pfeiffer, Julia Roberts, Meg Ryan, Alicia Silverstone, Hillary Swank, and Naomi Watts. And then it, I read that it, they really intended it to be for Glenn Close, but Glenn Close was a, was tired of being typecast and turned it down. And that's when they went with Meryl Streep. I cannot imagine so. anybody else performing that role, but Meryl Streep. It, it is just, she is just amazing. When there were some details too about, she really had to advocate for that quiet presentation that they sort of envisioned her as being more like a yeller and 
over the top. And she was the one who envisioned it as being that quiet delivery. And I feel like that's almost worse. When she cut you, like delivery cut you right like at the knees. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. how I felt when I watched her with the assistants and all that. Oh, I agree completely. Well, it's it's an offensive thing. But when she tells Andy that she decided to hire the smart fat girl... And that she has now disappointed her. Oh, and when she says, by all means, move at a glacial pace. I mean, there were so many. I was just jotting down quote after quote of her florals for spring, groundbreaking. But the, that's all. I wrote in my notes, that's all kills me every time. Because <laughs> it did. I just, so perfect. Well, is there anything we have not talked about that you want to discuss? I don't think so. I think I think it was a good discussion. <laughs> So what would your overall rating for this one be? Even though there are some things that that don't hold up as well, I would give it five stars just because it is one that I can watch over and over. I think that some of the acting in the movie is just top notch. And I, I mean, I just, I think it's great. Mm -hmm. Five stars. Yeah. I would do four and a half just because of the... The things that didn't age so well. So I really loved it. I really loved the rewatch. I hadn't watched it for years. I haven't seen it for a long time. All right. Well, we would love to know what you think of the book or the movie. So you can reach out to us on social media or send us an email on abridgedpod at gmail.com. We are going to close out our episode with our Give Me One. And today's topic is one character from childhood TV. Oh, my goodness. So I am going to have to go with Strawberry Shortcake. Because Mm -hmm. so just not, not so long ago in my Facebook feed, because I've looked at other pictures there, this like eighties Facebook group will show up in my Facebook feed. Well, they, it showed up with this bedroom, the strawberry shortcake bedroom with a canopy bed and all this stuff. Uh I had that. I had that. (laughs) So I of course sent it to my family and they're all like your room, your room. So I had pink carpet, a white canopy bed with all strawberry shortcake all over. So I was a huge strawberry shortcake fan girl. So I'm going with strawberry shortcake. (laughs) I did love some strawberry shortcake. The the dolls more than the show. I liked it all. And I had, the dolls that smelled of their their Uh fruit flavor i just really like yes we had a bunch of those (laughs) how about you jen what's yours i am going to say fonzie i do love the fonz i loved happy days oh my goodness we i had when i was really tiny a pair of yellow fonzie knee socks they were bright yellow and they had a picture of the Fonz's <laughs> face on like the oh shins. For, I, I mean, it was like three or four. I loved the Fonz. So yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Little Jen running around with her shins covered in Fonzie's face. I love it. Indeed. It's the height of fashion for sure. <laughs> love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we will look forward to hearing what everyone else's favorite character from childhood TV is on Monday. You can check that out on our Instagram feed at unabridged pod. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridged pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.